Hi, my name is Russell Norman, and welcome to Blue Marble Storytellers, bringing you great stories from around the globe. On this episode, we bring you a story from Russell Mickler. It is a fairy tale called Fox and the Flute, and read by me. Russell Mickler is a writer from the Pacific Northwest who likes to write fantasy stories and of halflings. And he currently publishes his work under the Black Anvil Books imprint. Please enjoy. Nearing the end of the day, Henyo lifted his trap from the Lowland River. He frowned at his luck as he reeled in his nets and lines from the water, recovering only two eels and a catfish. Henjo would go hungry today, for his catch would only feed his wife and child. His stomach growled in disappointment. A young man, Henjo Green Cossado, draped over his tan huckam trousers, and a round straw hat shielded his face from the sun. Two wicker baskets hung from a sturdy pinewood rod balanced between his shoulders. On his back, he bore the weight of a day pack and a long bamboo fishing pole. Henjo tossed his catch into his basket and baited his lines before casting them back into the river. In the distance, the peak of a snow-covered volcanic mountain stabbed the horizon. A fine coastal mist settled in as he slogged barefoot through the wetland marsh to take the higher ground. Entering a stand of tall pine trees, Henyo walked the path that would take him to his village. The trail was lined with arching green ferns, mushrooms and earthy mosses that thrived in the shade. Decaying trees lay felled by blustery seaside winds. Alone in the wood, Henyo was reminded of fishing with his father in their hour-long trek home. To entertain him as a boy, his father would play old songs on a breathy bamboo flute, a sakaji. And as Henyo twirled and danced on the road, his father would laugh through a row of missing teeth. Even in unfortunate times, when they had nothing to show for their efforts, his father always encouraged Henyo to be optimistic and joyful. Our baskets may be empty, he'd say, but our hearts will be full. Henyo missed his father and enjoyed reminiscing about those happier times. So he retrieved his father's sakachi from his day pack, placed it to his lips and played for a while to idle his time. Henyo held the flute with both hands in front of him like a recorder. He bowed his head and kept his eyes forward to watch his footing. It was spring. Buzzy insects clicked and chittered and pollen particles hung in the air. But the sun was setting and it would be dusk soon. And the forest would gradually become a darker, more ominous place. Cruel brigadans, eager to steal a day's meal rather than earn it, were not uncommon. And these woods were rife with yokai and coming, supernatural spirits both malevolent and well-meaning. Henjo hoped that his songs would offer a friendly greeting to anyone or anything he might encounter on the trail. Alarmed by the sound of movement, Henjo turned to find a slender fox pacing on the path, entranced by his song. Her fur was rusted orange and she had sharp black-tipped ears and bright white fur lined her breast. As Henjo stopped, 
so did the fox to rest on her haunches. She looked longingly at Henyo, as if to encourage him to continue playing. And when he did not, she whimpered, tucked her tail, and slunk into the ferns and thickets alongside the path. A man who respected Kitsun law, Henyo prepared an offering, pulling a wriggling eel from his wicker basket. He slapped its temple against a rock to still it, sliced it into edible chunks, and left it on the rock, resuming his walk. Henyo returned to his sakichi to remember the proud times he and his father were burdened with more ample catch. A brief time passed before the fox reappeared on the forest path ahead of Henyo. She seemingly waited for him and lifted her head in greeting as he approached. Henyo stopped and bowed deeply, reverently to the spirit. You were kind, she said, speaking in a way that Henyo heard her in his mind. Her mouth did not move, her ears were still. She looked at him with sullen black eyes. And so I shall honour your kindness. Play your best for me and your baskets will overflow with fish. Enyo was apprehensive. His father always warned, bargaining with Kitsu, to be a fraught enterprise. At best, their trickster spirits are untrustworthy, and at worst, demons. But Enyo's baskets were light, and his family was hungry. Hunger pains gripped him. What choice did he have? Reluctantly, Enyo recalled a celebratory song his father would play at weddings, and, resting his fingers over the instrument's spine, he inhaled to breathe life into his bamboo flute. Henyo played a slow, moving, romantic melody, and the fox closed her eyes to listen. Henyo's father's song was as watercolour brushes in her mind that painted a world of lush, green landscapes, flowing rivers, distant purple hills, and flocks of white cranes. She pictured drifting shadowy forms, two in love, crossing a wooden bridge spanning a pond. Captivated, the fox lost herself in the imagery and swayed on the road. When Henyo finished, he brought the flute from his lips to watch the fox under the brim of his hat. Startled by the music's sudden cessation, the whimpering fox turned to dash into the trees. Yet, balanced on his shoulder, his baskets remained light and empty. Scowling, believing he was tricked, Henyo's mood soured and he grumbled, sending the Sakichi to rest in his pack, resolved to walk the rest of the way in silence despite the kitsun. It was nearly dark as he approached his village, and Henyo heard the rumble of distant waves crashing along the seashore. A round, full moon crested over the forest of rocking, leaning pines, and a corpse of cherry blossom trees bordering his village budded with swollen green florets. Crossing a footbridge, Henyo heard the unfamiliar sound of sloshing and jumping. In looking there, at the stream under the bridge, he saw hundreds of silvery, half-beaked fish schooling in a shallow creek trapped by the tide's retreat. Overjoyed, Henyo dropped to his belly and submerged his basket up to his shoulder. He felt the slimy, dense mass of fish bump, scrape and peck his arm. Satisfied, he pulled the pine rod up to lift his basket from the creek and both were inundated with wet, slippery, silver half-beaks. And as the water drained through the wicker to spill over the bridge's surface, Henyo's gauge went to the forest to thank the fox, yet she was nowhere to be found. When he returned home, 
Henry was warmly greeted by his wife and neighbours, marvelling over his catch. The kind man, Henry was often known to share his excess with others, and today was no exception. His hungry neighbours blessed him for his compassion. Circumspect, he did not tell them of the Kitson, nor their encounter along the path, for he did not wish to raise concerns. Food was food, Henio believed, and a bargain made with Kami aside, he was thankful for his good fortune. Regardless, Henio and his family and his neighbours had full bellies, slept well, and were happy. A week later, Henio returned early in the morning to check his riverside traps, but once again found very little. Baiting them, he set out across the marsh to try a fishing hole he knew, a place where there should be much larger catfish, trout and carp that he might catch with his pole. Traipsing across the wetland in a drizzly rain, he again encountered the kitson, waiting patiently for him, hidden in the tall reeds. Play for me, she said, in her way that was without words. And when you return this evening, your traps will be full. Remembering his bounty from the last time, Henyo dropped his basket and offered the fox a long, wandering tune his father would play at sunsets along the beach. The fox closed her eyes, reeled and marched in circles, so entranced by the melody and so enamoured with the music. Henyo's brushes painted an ocean with deep blue water with frothy white tips. Roiling before a setting sun, hanging low in an aquamarine sky. A lone boat cascaded over a wave, its doomed rowers desperate to meet the crest before drowning in the cold sea. And when it ended, when Henyo stopped playing, the fox, startled, bounded into the thick cattails to disappear from sight. Henyo spent the day fishing but caught very little. Still, his spirits were high. He kept faith in the kitsu's promise and was eager to return to his traps. When it came time to leave, Henyo jogged across the wetland, the pine rod bowing and his baskets bobbing up and down with every brisk, quick step. He raced to his traps to pull them from the water and was amazed at the abundance. He had caught many catfish, crawdads, carp and eels. His baskets could not carry them all, and as his father had taught him, Henyo released what he couldn't use. He prayed to thank the water spirits for his spoils. Henyo lumbered home through the forest, overburdened with the weight of his catch. Surprised, his wife asked him how, once again, he had experienced such good fortune. Henyo was at a loss, knowing he couldn't rationally explain his catch to her. So being an honest man who respected his wife, Henyo told her of the kitson how he would play, how she would listen, and how he would be rewarded. He expected his wife to be displeased and more inclined to scold him, but instead she cautioned him to be careful, trusting her husband's wisdom but uncertain about the kitson's motivations. Together they ate well, surrendered portions to feed hungry neighbours, and shared loving, comfortable evenings watching sunsets from their home. Two weeks later, when the food had run its course, Henyo returned to the marshes with his basket and gear. However, instead of checking and baiting his traps, Henyo went looking for the fox. Henyo lingered in the forest, walking its trails in the middle of the morning, playing his flute as if to summon the kitson. 
chill wind blew in from the sea, and the sun remained stubbornly obscured behind a marine layer of cloud. He wandered the swampy mire up to his ankles and poked through the tall, grassy reeds with his fishing pole. Enyo found no sign of the fox. Enyo spent his whole day wandering, not fishing, playing his sakuchi repeatedly in a vain attempt to lure the kitsun to him, and still the fox never came. When night fell, Enyo returned home. The blooming cherry blossom trees lining his village splattered pink and white across the ground. Enyo, however, was empty-handed, and with nothing to feed his family or his neighbours, they all hungered in the shadow of intense beauty. Next day, Enyo marched directly to his traps in the wetland and, in discovering no catch, angrily baited and recast his nets and lines. Frustrated, Enyo trekked to the distant fishing pole and let the line fall from his bamboo rod and sink into clear, deep water. Hours passed and the warm sun beat down as he waited for even a bite or a nibble. He was hungry. He prayed quietly, seeking patience, guidance and wisdom from his father. It wasn't until the end of his day Enyo felt a tug. He had hooked a plump catfish, and he lifted his pole to bring his lonely catch to his basket. Then, hearing a snap, the fox appeared behind him. She sat away from him at a distance and whispered, Play for me, and I will show you a place where the fish are more plentiful. At first, Enyo abstained, saying, I must fish and not entertain you. Yesterday, my family went hungry as I waited for you to appear. The fox twitched her ears and leaned her head to her side. But your beautiful music, I long to hear it. What am I to do? Enyo was unsympathetic to her longing plea. Remembering his good fortune, he still wished to do right by the urging spirit. So he sighed and resigned to play just once more for her. He played a sad song his father would often play in the heart of winter. The fox closed her eyes and saw a painting of deep snow with daggers of ice hanging from trees and roof lines where villagers, covered in meagre blankets, carried armlands of firewood across bridges that spanned a frozen pond. The fox could feel the freezing breeze in her fur, the intensity of sadness and loss and death, and her paws felt like they rested on sheets of ice. When he stopped, the fox reluctantly opened her eyes to see Henyo collect his basket from the river shore. I am a fisherman, he insisted, lifting his baskets. Sometimes what I catch is scant, and today I will return with one fish, but it is a fish I caught, and it will feed my family. Henyo tossed his sakuchi to the grass as a final offering. Turning away from the fox, he said, As I must work to feed others, so you must learn to play. Enya returned home in a flurry of cherry blossom petals blowing in the ocean breeze. He prepared his single catfish and served it to his family, and although it was unfulfilling, it was still a meal he'd caught, and he alone provided. He vowed to show his neighbours how to lay their own traps and lines near the river's edge. Though Enyo never saw the kitson again, his remote fishing hole was always plentiful with fish, and his family never went hungry. Every spring, when the cherry blossoms would bloom and take to the wind, Enyo could hear his father's drifty, 
breathy songs played on a sakaji coming from somewhere in the pine forest as the kitsun taught herself to play. We trust you enjoyed this story and really appreciate you listening to this podcast and supporting the great writers featured. To further support the writers, we'd also like to encourage you to share the links to this podcast far and wide. You can find more of Russell Mickler's great writing at Black Anvil Books. Well, that's it for this episode. So on behalf of Deidre Lovegren and myself, until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now.